Okay. Good morning, uh, Dr. Williams. How are you? Good morning. I am very well. And should I address you as Christopher, Chris, or Pastor Finley? Chris, Chris Christopher go? works. Christopher works best. Christopher works best. Um, I okay, want to definitely start off by thanking you for being here with us today. I know right now all of our schedules are very hectic, and we're dealing with um, the virus, everything that's going on. But I definitely want to take thank you first and foremost for taking the time out of your schedule to be here. I know many people would be blessed by your um, by your experience and the wisdom you'll give today. If you can, can you please start us off with a word of prayer? Yes, absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you that in this time of crisis, you've provided the kind of technology that not only helps to heal people who are sick and, and to help families who are grieving, but you've given us opportunity to share so that we can inspire and bring hope to others who may not have had the opportunities you've opened and the doors you've opened for us. So bless this undertaking. Please anoint it with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, good morning. Um, so I want to start off with the fact that I've been spending the last few days diving through the pages of nothing but the best. And I see, I, I know you have a copy with you. Can you please show us the cover? Yes. Can you see it? Yes, nothing but the best. And the reason why I want to start off with highlighting this book is because I know we're limited on time and we could speak for 20, 30 minutes, but just diving through the pages of the book for the last few days, I've been seeing that this is very potent material. What made you choose that title, Nothing But The Best? I actually am not good at choosing titles for books. Usually publishers choose my titles, but on this occasion, I remember that I am almost every one of my classes, I start by telling my students, I'm really not interested in teaching and preparing good preachers. We have enough good preachers in our denomination and in the world. What I'm looking for are great preachers. And so I say to them, I am demanding from you nothing but the best, Amen. not just in the classroom, but when you go out into the field and you're in the pul pulpit, give to God and his people nothing but the best. So this came out of that. Amen. And for those who don't know, uh, where do you, wh what do you do? Where do you currently work? Okay. Currently, I'm director of the Doctor of Ministry program at Andrews University. And this is a program that covers five countries, North America, um, England, India, Brazil, Argentina, Russia. Oh, that's six. I, I said five, six countries. And we have um, concentrations and, which, and cohorts in each one of these countries. Actually, India, we are just launching India. And um, I, in addition to that, I also teach classes in preaching. Okay, amen. And for, for many people who think of Andrews University or even think of the, the field of preaching, if we, if we speak of something very boldly but may not be popular to target is 
they may not think of, the average person may not think of a, a Dr. Williams when they think of this route of teaching pastors how to preach. How, how, yeah. how did this all come apart? How did God open these doors for you? Yeah, well, about 11 years ago, I was senior pastor, we now say lead pastor, mm -hmm. at Campus Hill Church in Loma Linda, California, on the campus of Loma Linda University. And the seminary's dean reached out to me and invited me to come and teach preaching. And the, the reason he thought was two things. He, he felt that my presence being female and um, having a degree that's not from the Adventist institution, because I had already two degrees from the Adventist institution. He wanted something fresh and new. He, in, he thought that I would, come, would deliver that. So I, I took the chance because it was very clear to me that this is what God wanted me to do. So I started out teaching preaching. And then maybe two years into that, I was asked to be the director of homiletics for the, um, for the seminary. And then 10 years later, I was invited to direct the Doctor of Ministry program, and I'm still teaching. So that's how that journey, in a, in a nutshell. Wow, wow. And that's a very inspiring story because it just shows how God could lead. And from reading your book, we learned that you were an atheist before. And so to go from- Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So to go from being an atheist- I to now teaching homiletics, it's... Yes, yes. I spent, I spent, I would say that I spent nearly half of my life not believing in God, actually denying the existence of God. And so it was a miraculous intervention, divine intervention. No human being could have convinced me otherwise. So God had to do it himself. So I had more like a Pauline experience. You know, I got knocked off my high horse and ended up in the ditch and you know when you're in the ditch you have two two opportunities eat dirt or look up and somehow i looked up and there was god amen amen and uh, that's a blessing so so we so we re we read in nothing but the best you describe preaching as your sweet spot explain that what explain that to us yes uh, it's my sweet spot because it does two things. It challenges me and it causes me to, I could say stressed on one hand, but also to, to know that God has involved me in a partnership with him that has eternal consequences. You know, there are so many good things that we do on earth for God that does not have eternal consequences it's just good for us it's a part of the blessing that he showers on us but but this particular job requires that i partnership with god to transform the lives of human beings and that has eternal consequences so i had to learn the distinction between giving a speech a speech is to inform Politicians are really good at that. 
and some pastors also are good at that. But to preach is to transform the lives of of those of your listeners. So so that all of those things combine to make me realize that I have indeed in my life reached my sweet spot. Amen. Amen. And 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 you you spoke about doing things good for God. So now we could transition into an argument you place in the book that would open up a lot of our eyes when we read them. And one of those was the fact that we can list many good preachers today, but it's very few great preachers. And let's, let's talk about, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, What distinguishes to me a great preacher is not just someone who's able to attract a big crowd or make noise and you know do gymnastics in the pulpit that's temporary that's entertaining and because there's so much of that good good kind of preaching people at the end of the sermon they will say i enjoyed that sermon sermons were not intended to for entertainment, for enjoyment. They are intended to convict, to convince, to, to, to commend a person to Jesus Christ. So, so for me, great preaching is that which is biblical, biblically based, but also exegetically balanced. You see, many of the sermons that we're hearing today that are good, that are entertaining, that you get a laugh, you get a cry, you get, you know, your emotions moved. And and that's great. But there has to be the intellectual balance. Sermons that are great also do use exegesis because people are taught, conditioned, programmed to read the scripture. Notice what I said, to read the scripture. You know, read the scripture in one year. Read the scripture from a woman's perspective. Read the scripture from a man's perspective. But we're not taught how to study the scripture. And with all of the increase of knowledge, the ability to access the languages, the biblical languages, to understand what the words are, anyone can do Bible study and understand the the background of the words that are being used. Let me give you a quick for instance. I'm preparing my sermon for a Sabbath, and it's on Acts 27 and 28, um, the Euroquillo storm, the storm that was um, that shipwrecked the Apostle Paul and passengers on their way to Rome. And in in one place, the Apostle said, um, you're not going to lose your life because God has told me so in, in chapter 27. And as, as I read that, I, I wondered why, why God would give him such a promise when most of the people on the ship were pagans and had not yet given their lives to Christ. So I went back and looked at the Greek. I read it in the Greek. And what I realized was that Paul said to them, you are not going to lose your breath, not your eternal life, but your breath or spirit. 
because there are three Greek words for, for life that's used in the scripture for life, suke, which is spirit or breath, bios, which is sometimes translated wealth, but it really is chronological life, you know, how you age, and then zoe, which is eternal life. And Paul had, could have used zoe or, or bios, but he chose suke. You pagans, you're not going to lose your breath because God's not done with you yet. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, and um, I like that. Like, you know, it's kind of like a piece when, you, when you're, um, you're, you're working on a sermon and you're being filled. And I don't know if you ever experienced this, but you go up there to preach and you're so scared and you're begging God for his help. And then you start yeah, preaching yeah, yeah. and then like a minute or two in the whole room stops. Yeah. And then yes. you're, you're speaking, your mouth is moving, but your brain is talking to God and you're talking to God, God, help me, help me. And then you realize, but my mouth is moving. My mouth is moving, but I'm praying right now. And you're like, wow, wow. It's amazing. You know? And then you say something, and while you're saying it, you're saying, where did that come from? Where did, where did I get that? Exactly, exactly. But here's the, this is why preaching is my sweet spot, one of the reasons that God keeps his promise. He, he said, whatever you put in your mind, the, the spirit will bring it back to you on the occasion when it's needed. You might not know this is needed, but the Spirit will bring it back to your mind. And those moments that we have in the pulpit where we think, wow, you know, I don't know where that's coming from. This is, I'm just talking about God. It's, it's because you've studied consistently and you may have put something in your mind that you didn't even mark as important, but the Spirit knows that in this particular moment, there is that person sitting in the pew that needs to hear it this way, and he brings it back. I, I know people who say, well, I don't have to go to school to learn to preach because I'm gifted and all this kind of thing. And, and, and I say, look, Jesus not only went to school himself, he had three and a half years, which is how long a master of divinity generally is, he had three and a half, he took three and a half years to teach his disciples how to preach and how to pastor. So um, I don't think people should just say, well, I'm gifted and God is blessing me and the spirit is with me. That's not the model that Jesus left. Amen. Amen. Um, so I, you made a good point about like just studying and, and going in and learning when it comes to going from better to best, what are some of the study habits that has helped you over the last five, 10 years that has helped you grow when it came to your craft? Uh, I would say that I'm, I'm an avid learner. I'm constantly seeking knowledge. When I was first converted, I spent maybe a year and a half studying two words in scripture understanding and and knowledge because i wanted to know i wanted to understand and and it has thrown me on a 
journey that never ends um, constantly. So this is what I do. I read extensively. I read books about um, biblical books. I read biographies of authors, Christian authors. I, I, I dive into the writings of Ellen White, which I learned so much from. Uh, and, and there are just so many, but reading and studying the scripture. And I study the scripture with two things by my side a commentary, which I look at after I've been given the ideas, and a dictionary. Because words change, the meaning of words change over time, so I need to know what's the contemporary use of this particular word. Mm -hmm. and, and I start my day between four and five in the mornings, because that's my prayer time. Because by, by 6.30, I'm getting emails, phone calls, all these kinds of things. So, but I need my time with God because I don't want to operate on fumes. And the other thing that really helps me is that because I'm a pastor and every Sabbath I have to work, you know, present a sermon, make sure uh, members are being cared for. I spend Sabbath afternoons when I'm not traveling watching someone else preach to me so that I can commit my life to the Lord and, and listening to songs from around the world, Christian songs from around the world. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, so we, we spoke about the study. We spoke, spoke about your journey. Now let's bring it to modern day. How do you yes. and how do we preach in this time of crisis? Yes. So, so you said, let's bring it to modern day, like I'm from the ancient of days, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I might seem like I'm ancient of days for you youngins because I'm heading toward my 74th birthday. So wow. But I'm pretty hip. I can tell you, I, I, I know what's going on today. So anyway, <laughs> that Praise I God. could Praise God. resist. <laughs> but, but when it comes to preaching today, there are a couple of things that I would recommend. Avoid preaching raw trending data or news because people get enough of that in their homes. You can mention COVID-19 and the losses and all that, which I do, because we're not estranged from the um, human experience, but not to go into all the details and the politics of it and the who said and who didn't say and who's right and who's not right. That's, that, that takes up too much time. And people are still coming to hear the word of God because that's what changes people. New information about the crisis does not change anyone's lives, but the word of God. So, so dig deep into the word of God. Make sure that your interpretation, and the interpretation is what you get when you read the scripture and you go, wait a minute, there is something in this. I got to preach this. It's begging me. That's great, and, and everybody should have that aha moment. But in, in addition to that, 
one needs to go and and check the original language to to check the words if you can't understand the language and find out what what is this phrase saying so that you can bring something out that's going to touch and then try to not be so deductive not to try to tell everybody everything you know and and learn but rather be more inductive to lead people on a journey which they travel with you through their own experience so that they can have their own aha moment with god wow wow no um that, that while you're talking you have to understand i'm conducting the interview but i'm absorbing i'm absorbing right now so when it comes to so we we talk about the modern day we talk about the present time of not using so much news so in relation to those sermons how what's the importance of still keeping it christ-centered well every sermon must be christ-centered again because it is christ who changes lives who transforms people so if we're not reminding them of their position with him or their their um relationship with him then we need to mark because anybody can turn on the radio or television and hear the latest news but not everyone is hearing the biblical truth for example in 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 the book of revelation and since i'm a preacher the best way is to in the book of it's a passage you have lost your first love over and over again people have been preaching that it's my feelings that I first had when I met Christ. And that puts a pressure on people whose feelings are not that way 10 years or 20 years later, because as a human being, we know that love changes over time. As we grow and change and learn what we consider to be love, which normally we put as feelings, when love in the Bible is a principle that sometimes is expressed in feelings so so there are people growing up in the church feel not feeling excited like they did when they first met christ you know and they cried and they poured out and they gave their lives to the lord but they still love so it can't be the fickle feelings of humanity that is the first love that we've lost but on further study we see that even in Revelation 1, I think verse 18, it says that Jesus is the first love, the firstborn, the first, this, throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, he's always been called the first. Therefore, in Revelation where it says you've lost your first love, it's not talking about how I first felt about Jesus. It's talking about my relationship with him. If you've lost your first love, it means that you've lost Jesus Christ or the, or the connection that you had with him. And that takes the pressure off of feeling like it's me. And then it's, it, it deepens to where there really is a disconnection. So we, I think preaching requires the balance of interpretation and exegesis 
and 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 the exegesis will help one to be more Christ-centered than not. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, and so I want to ask around two more questions, and I want to focus a little on the book, and then we come to a close. How how has your relationship with Christ grown through preaching? Yes. Well, um, it's it's like this. When I when I first encountered him, I was um, using drugs, being promiscuous, lying like a sailor, cursing worse than a sailor, and living in in the most inappropriate way. So I, I was ac accomplishing professional things, but my personal life, I was constantly thinking of ways in which I could commit suicide without leaving my son devastated by it. And it's, that's the only reason I tried suicide three times, not because I wanted to die, but because the pain and the anguish of knowing that what the public is seeing is just a facade, that there's a real broken person behind it was more than I could bear. And Christ came into my life in one of those desperate moments and, 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 and saved me. I, that, that, that feeling that I had back then, it was so unique and so, and so, um, potent and so powerful you know i used to sit at my window and look up into heaven because no, no human gave me this information it was between me and god and i would talk to him and i would be scared to call him jesus christ i would say hey jc it's hyveth williams and i live at and i give my address and here's what i want to tell you today that that was the kind of relationship that i had and then a year or two later, and, and I used to hear his voice in many ways, in many things. But a year or two later, I found myself, and, and at that time, I read the Bible by myself from Genesis to Revelation. I read the entire scripture, couldn't pronounce some of the words. And, and, and my lack of knowledge created some barriers to my knowing Christ. But he kept me going, 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 because I wanted to know. And then I got into the Adventist church and I, I began to learn scripture from the Sabbath school lessons, from, you know, being in, in church and so forth. And then I hungered for more. And, and so my love changed and, and, and I no longer started feeling that, you know, school girlish, oh, I can't, you know, I love him. Oh, I love you, Jesus. You know, that, that evaporated. And now it's a stable it's 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 firm i know that nothing no wind no storm no virus no anything can change what is going on in my relationship with him because it's not up for external um examination and surgery and all those kind of judgments and all those kinds of things it's a steady steadfast i don't have to get a lightning bolt anymore to know that he loves me I know. And Amen. so that's how it changed. Amen. 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 Um, 
Wow. Wow. That's a blessing from God. That's wow. Um <laughs> it's hard to when you give a testimony and when somebody gives a testimony to you and you have to internalize it it's hard to just continue like you have to process that and um all right so what is one of the greatest testimonies that you have experienced through preaching now or you have witnessed through preaching i think the greatest testimony is god's powerful hand and again, I'll give an illustration. Mm -hmm. Maybe about 25 or more years ago, when I was first invited to speak in Australia, mm -hmm. the conference president there um, decided that he wanted to introduce women in ministry to his conference because he was planning to hire some women. But he knew the pushback that he would get, so he decided to throw me to the wolves. And so he invited me to speak. And he scheduled a series of appointments in different churches in different parts of his conference, ending in a big meeting where he had hoped like about 8,000 people would show up and just about that many showed up in this big um, civic center. And, and I would preach on that Sabbath on those things. So the some some of the churches and some of the members decided that they didn't want to hear a woman preach and they made it very clear that they did not want and and both the conference president and myself were concerned that not too many people they had rented out this huge um venue and and they thought this is not going to work not many people are going to show up for that sabbath event but i went and i preached my heart out every night sometimes few people sometimes few looky-loos sometimes those who really want to hear see if i had something to say and i spent a week just preaching every night until sabbath morning and sabbath morning came and the people came and it was amazing it was incredible. That was the first time I had ever spoken to such a large crowd. And when I made the appeal, young people came forward. And I still get notes from and emails from some of them that said, that Sabbath changed my life. Amen. That I've, I've spoken to huge crowds, 25,000 people, all that many since then, but none has left the lasting impression as that experience because I walked into the pulpit feeling afraid and rejected. I thought my church will never accept me. And then my church showed up. Amen. The people who really, they are the church, they showed up. And they affirmed me. And from that day, no matter who says what or what they do, I am steadfast in my knowledge that God has called me to this ministry and God has sent me to do what he has sent me to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, so now I, I, I want to, if I, if, it, if I could, I would speak to you for five more hours. I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. 
and I pray that we could do this again. But before we close, could you show the title of your book, the cover of your book one more time? And I wanted to give a personal testimony. I am currently reading this book. I'm a junior theology student, and I will say that this is one of the best books I've read on preaching thus far. Um, I read books on preaching. I love preaching. I love the art of preaching. But I can tell by the grace of God and by the glory of God, you put time into the book. Not only did you make powerful points, like every page is potent, but you back it by scripture. So after you read through the pages, you'll see small, um, small uh, parentheses with the scripture for every point that you make. So what it did was, I was I'm reading the book while I have my Bible at the time at the side because I'm fact checking. I want to make sure what you're writing is correct. So not only are the points good, because when I first started to read the book, I'm, okay, let's see what this book is about. And then I'm reading it. And then I get through the intro and then the first chapter, I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. And then I get to the second part and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is a very like, cause it's, it's a combination of wisdom, knowledge, and experience. And it's, it's giving me information that I've read about in many different preaching books, but from a more concrete perspective. And you're using resources from master preachers, your references, and you, you, you stated it very clear in the book. You said, I will not say something that somebody can say better than me. So if you see me quote something, it's because I believe in the fact of letting someone else speak that says it better than I do. So this is why I reference. So I will recommend the book to anybody who is watching this video. Please go get the book. It is, it's on Amazon. And we buy these books for $10 that people have poured years of experience into. And it's worth so much more. So I am, and when you read this book, you read it alongside your Bible. Because there's so many scripture references that there's times when I'm saying, how did she, how did she see that? How did she find that? And then I go and, I'm, and I go and I check it in the Bible. And what's happening is it's inspiring me now more to go back to my Bible more and to dig deeper because I haven't been digging deep enough, dig deeper now and more deeper. And, and I, um, I thank you. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your testimony. I thank you for your experience. And it, it was an honor. And we usually close the call with a prayer. And I usually ask uh, the, them to pray. So if you can pray for this ministry, and, um, and I would like to pray for you also. Yes, great. All right. I'll go first then. Mm -hmm. Lord, I want to thank you so much for Christopher for reaching out to me. I wasn't aware of his program, but you were aware of me. And so you put me on his mind. And so I want to pray that you will put other women on his mind. There are so many incredible preaching women in our denomination who are not being highlighted as I've had the privilege of being. And I just pray that he will um, keep on seeking and finding um, great preachers to present to, to his audience. I pray for him and his, himself and his family. In these times of crisis, we are all um, immune to the impact of it in one way or another. And I also pray for his listeners, those who will watch the program. May their minds be inspired by what we've talked about and 
that they go beyond and seek more knowledge and understanding. Thank you, God, for the blessings you've poured into my life. As, as I have committed to you privately, I'll say in this prayer that um, I will not go to my grave taking with me the resources you've invested in me. And thank you for this opportunity for sharing some. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for these moments to speak of you and how you have changed our life. I thank you so much just for your Holy Spirit working through us. I thank you so much for the, the testimony of Dr. Williams, how you have uh, changed her life, changed her heart, and how you are using her now as an instrument to, to prepare your, your vessels to deliver this, this everlasting gospel. Father in heaven, I pray that you continue to put your arms around her and protect her and fill her with your love, your peace, your grace, and to continue to remind her that, that you are using her as your instrument in a mighty way. Though we are nothing, you fill us with your love, you fill us with your everything, and you use us. So please continue to remind her of that every day and continue to bless her ministry and continue to bless the grace place and continue just to keep your hands over her life. And one day I pray when you open up the, the clouds of heaven that we could see you face to face and we can walk into your kingdom with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank Amen. you so thank much. You. I appreciate it. Um, and have a blessed oh, day. Can I see this program? Where can I see this program? I will be uploading it to Facebook. And I also invited you um, to the Facebook group. It's called Adventist Preaching. By the grace of God, uh, we, we built up 100 members of pastors, laymen, elders, and we're looking to continue to yes. grow organically. So if you know of any pastors, elders, or anybody that you can recommend to the group, you can just invite them. Uh, we will, and I'll also be uploading this to our YouTube page. I'll email you everything and, and share everything with you. And thank you so much okay. for your time. Thank you very much. It's God been bless. wonderful. God bless, God bless you. you.